that process to at least help you maybe put a full stop or an underline so then after that you go okay I've done that now the people that say I'm going to be with you every single week and call you I'm going to be there for you yeah a week later where are they fucking gone and it was almost like they rolled the red carpet out for me they, not, they didn't give me one plot at the show they gave me three plots on condition I became a member immediately and did you have to pay for three? no I'm looking over because my wife's on the you, you need to do this. What about just blubbering into a wreck on the floor? You nearly, you nearly, no, no, cold as steel. It was three or four days a week. It was a coping mechanism at the time. Now I look at running and I think, I couldn't think of anything bloody worse than going for a run for three hours of my day. Because she lives on, I, I believe she lives on within my heart. Welcome to Men Do Talk, podcast number five. five. Number five. So, hello everyone. Um, good afternoon. Hello. How are you? Today, I was angry last time. We were both very <laughs> angry last time. We could have done a podcast today on anger, part two, with part three, four, five, six, seven, and eight, probably straight <laughs> after, but we thought we'd give everyone a little bit of a break. Yeah, so today I've donned the grey t-shirt because, uh, and so have you, I so see. So have I, yeah, actually. Yeah. With, uh, but with a, with a bit of colour, because, yeah, you know. It brings out your eyes. I've got my new trainers. Yeah? Nice. We can I, still, we can still I, I be... Don't, I don't think they beat mine, but... Uh, I like these. I think they're... We can still be grieving and um, trendy. Fashion aficionados. Yes, fashion aficionados. <laughs> Which we are not, to be clear. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a setter, not a follower. I, yeah. You just follow the trends. I just, well, I, I say, hey kids, how do these look? Oof, you haven't God, done the peak cap yet. No, caps are me, just awful. Yeah, really? Well, as in like. Hats, as in no, like a peak cap, you know, like the old old grandpa caps. No, no, they look no. awful on me. Anything like that looks backwards. Kangle hat. Oh my god! <laughs> I wear a, I wear a, uh, I wear a, um, a cap, but of course, all the kids call them snapbacks, don't they? I don't know. I just know that I'm the uncoolest dad in the world, even though I know I'm the coolest dad in the world, right? Well, I think as dads go, I think we're we're okay. My, my other two children say always say to me, you know, like last night I was had them over for dinner, and it was like. Oh, well, Dad's very in touch with himself now. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means. Uh, at least they're not saying I'm touching myself. No, <laughs> no, no. Well, they, they wouldn't be wrong, would they? <clears throat> it is a coping mechanism. It is, but we're not talking about that today. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Releasing today? the yes, tension. releasing the tension, but not here. Well, it's conveniently, we yes. can go in from that to this, which is anxiety, anxiety. And, and spirituality and how I feel... The two are connected and we have, I think everybody has levels of anxiety, um, but that is one of the main things that has struck me on the grief process is, is anxiety and how I've coped with that part of my being. Um, I've used 
various sort of coping mechanisms to try and control anxiety. And it's been, you know, it's gone from meditation to spirituality to wanking myself into a coma. Um, sorry. Um, to, I don't know how I'm going to edit that out. I no, might not be able to. No, but um, everyone does it. Everyone does it. There's a time and a place. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, and on a grief podcast, probably isn't one of Sorry, them. Sorry, but... for wokeism purposes, I'll say masturbation. <laughs> Call it what you want. <laughs> Same outcome. Literally. Yeah, I know, that was the joke. Oh, yeah. right. It's <coughs> all right. Anyway. Anyway. And I'd just like to apologise because Lee has, is just coming o- coming over a cold, getting over a cold. Yes. And he's passed it on to me, no doubt. So thank oh. you, Lee, for that. Because, <laughs> like, no one ever gave it to me. Not that we've been intimate no, or anything no. but the distance between me and him is uh, fine is quite short but no um so yeah I, I i i've i've tried to cope with anxiety and that that feeling that where it hits you in my gut um i, I i've described it in the past like almost like irritable bowel syndrome because it's yeah. sort of it hits you right in but the it's right in the base of the yeah, stomach. Yeah. It's the butterflies. Yeah. It's that little yeah, blah, blah, yeah, yeah. for for no reason. I, I think the like, <clears> way <throat> I describe it is you, you go into a you, that feeling you get when you go into a school exam or or an examination, a doctor's examination. That fear of dread that that um, you know it it just seems to park itself in the stomach. And obviously, you know, I, I've had to use medication to help sort of control it. And sometimes... What did you use? Um, I used... Oh, gosh. Um, oh, geez, I've tried everything. I'm trying to think what I use at the moment. Pregablin, I think I use to control it. Um, but also I'm on antidepressants as well, which is um, uh, another sort of... Um, another sort of one of these drugs. But when, originally when I took some drugs, it affected my libido, so it counterproductive. Uh, especially when you're trying to wank into a coma. Um, so, sorry. Um, <laughs> but basically, I'm in one of those moods today. Um, but basically, yeah, and, and now I'm on a right balance of, of, of things that work, but it's still there. It, it never goes away. No. And, and yeah, I've, I've tried to go off it in the past, and it does... Um, have a negative effect and uh, you think you're in a good place and then quite, quite quickly you're in a very bad place. Um, yeah, it, it, I wouldn't, you know, it, I, I need it in my life. It's as simple as that. And, you know, there's parts of me that, dis, you know, think about um, medication and Lee has his view on medication as well. Um, but what I, you know, what I've learned is that, you know, if I look at my family history, you know, my, my grandma was on uh, Prozac for most of her life. My my grandfather had a breakdown um, during the war. He had to collect bodies. Um, so let me just stop you there. Yeah. So okay. So your grandfather had a breakdown during the war because he was collecting bodies. Hmm. Um, After the war, I think it hit him like late. Yeah. Yeah. As as it goes, when you hear something like that, well, that's enough for any person to have. Yeah. Any type of breakdown. Absolutely. I mean, you know, one or two or three. Well, yes. So mm. that's so I wouldn't I wouldn't want to call it a 
a history of in the family well, it's because the, it's like you it's, know it's the nature all my, all it's, my, it's the nature versus nurture debate isn't yes it? <laughs> you know like like so many of my family's experience burns so why was that well they were all firemen you mm. know it's that because that's what they did i'm not saying that but with regards to medication see i've never i've never taken medication ever for it not legal medication, and, and if anything, it would have been the smoking of 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 the of, of the herb. A Jamaican woodbine. <coughs> Jamaican woodbine. <laughs> Friend of Bob Marley. Um, <clears throat> that that was my that was my vice. Um, I remember at one point, the doctor offered to put me on Prozac, um, but I didn't. I didn't feel, I didn't feel that I needed it because I felt I was coping. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't want to have anything prescribed to me. It's the, it's the psychologist versus the psychiatrist uh, debate, I suppose, because a psychiatrist will immediately prescribe you a medication, and a psychologist, to a certain degree, will avoid it until the point that you need it. And yeah. I was in that sort of therapy route for a long time and for a long time they were saying you need something just to ease sure take, take the edge yeah. off um but i do get a bit um slightly dubious with doctors however fantastic the majority of them are it's the quick there you go take that that'll take the edge off mm. um that's where yeah, i yeah and, and <clears> as i said you know you resist it you resist it but then you get that sort of initial almost like jubilation when you're on it and you don't want that feeling to go away. Um, I've been on ones that have been almost psychotic. Like, well, okay, in, so fact, in fact, without naming names, a psychiatrist turned around to me and said, when I was at university, I used to take this as a bit of a high. <laughs> yeah, but, this, but, this, but it's funny because we were talking about that with someone last week, weren't we? Yeah. Um about uh i get the actual but you know there's a lot of people that microdose anyway mm. because microdosing is a way of just taking the edge off your day mm. some people have a coffee and it affects them in well, some yeah, way yeah i mean some i people... i used to smoke cigarettes uh, many years ago during university and you know and it was the nicotine that i was addicted to you know well, yes. and, and when i was at university i enjoyed a, the odd the odd joint you know and Again, same thing, took the edge off, but I didn't enjoy the, enjoy the feeling of being stoned. It made me more anxious, if anything, and I had sort of... So did you... So what I, I then realised when I came off it, that it was actually the nicotine part that I was addicted to. And yeah, but also it's quite a habitual thing. It's the whole, let's go and skin up, take the Rizzler, yeah. the rolling, the yeah. da-da-da. It's everything. When it comes to the actual smirking of it, you're like... Oh yeah, is that, is that it? But that's that's I think with it's like going to the pub. Yeah, I but mean, it is a cultural thing. Yeah, in our, in our generation, you know, there, there it, it it still happens a lot. People are still um, enjoying a reefer and a really yeah. Um, I'm I haven't touched it for so many years now, and I I don't miss it. But I do vape, and it, and it, it it you know it's nicotine vape, and it it helps just take that little bit of edge off for me. Mm. Um, but, you know, we all have those sort of, it's, it's annoying because in a way, 
the, the, the things that take the edge off to a certain degree, they're also bad for you. It's like the old, like, don't eat too much chocolate because it's not great for you. But part of my, my, um, my evening um, routine is to have some chocolate. I just love it, right? But then I go to the gym the next morning and it takes you know it doesn't make me feel guilty for going to to eat the chocolate or eat the bread or or whatever it is you know there's a lot of advice and guidance out there on healthy eating but ultimately my routine and I suppose you can relate this to the grief journey I suppose in a way it's it's sort of like my what works for me may not work for somebody else and you know we all have different stages and different journeys that we're on um, and it's how, what works for you. Um, when I decided to go into DJing and, and that sort of thing, that was me escaping, escaping and using music to sort of get me out of my headspace. Um, and, and the same applies to, you know, shortly after Maddie passed away, um, my initial feeling and it was, is she okay? And... I went to a spiritualist and that became a very much a big part of my coping mechanism as did um, going to synagogue on a Friday night, um, mainly because I didn't want to go on a Saturday because the service is longer. Um, but it, I found it, the ritual of it and, and, and the people, uh, you know, I'm in United Synagogue, so it's predominantly men uh, in a room together. Um, we've all, all very much a common sort of belief system and it helped me um, spiritually to get into that process. Now, my father, and we'll talk about you in a minute, what you did immediately after that, uh, after Madeline's passing, you know, my dad went the opposite way. When my mum died, he, he <coughs> refused to go to shore and he still refuses to go to shore and I had to drag him to shore when, when you know... Uh, shortly after literally the day of Maddie's burial which was a Friday afternoon um to get him into shul that day was was hard work um you know you've you've said in the past your dad turned to Catholic Catholic before Madeline died and yeah, told well, you after actually, well yes I haven't actually told that story to many people so now didn't, yes. we, didn't we talk about it in previous podcasts? uh I don't remember, did we? I don't know. We may have to talk about it again and then cut it out if you have. <laughs> <coughs> Quite possibly. Well, it was done, so yeah. yes, yeah. I mean, you know, so everyone has their coping mechanism. That's the point I'm making. But for me, I found a lot of comfort in the spiritual part of it. Um, the the person I saw spiritually was uh, in in the in the Jewish religion. Um, part of United Shore, and they, um, but they, I messaged them shortly after they were recommended to me, and um, I went to meet them. I didn't even give my name, and I sat in the room, and it was like she knew. I keep saying it, sorry. I know it was like she knew me from years the stuff they knew no one else could know. And, um, you know, it, it, it was mind-blowing. But the first thing that I knew was that Maddie was at peace. And to be able to relate that to the night 
after Maddie fe- well, fell ill um, and was at Great Ormond Street to waking up in the bed that morning, the morning after the morning she died, um, and seeing her dancing at the end of the bed with my two children in the bed with me, um, that what gave me a lot of comfort because I saw her dancing, bearing in mind she couldn't walk or talk, but she was dancing on her tiptoes and I can still see that picture in my head. And she was smiling and she was happy and she was at peace. And that was reiterated in that first meeting. And what, what, these, what this person told me is that if we want to go really deep and dark, not dark, deep, um, that the synagogue knew of her powers, of what she could do. And while they know a, re- a religious people, know that they can do it, if you think of the Kabbalah and all this sort of thing, um, they can communicate. And rabbis and spiritualists and in Jewish religion anyway can do it, but choose not to. And it gave me that belief that there was another world and this is part of that journey. We are in this sort of in-between space where, whether we've been tested or whatever. And I suppose in a way, then my thinking goes to, well, okay, this all sounds mad, right? But when you talk about it, it still makes sense to me. You know, people come onto this planet and they go too young and they come onto this planet for a reason and a purpose. Now, whether that's a singer, uh, whether that's, a, you know, somebody who has a mission and when you fulfill that mission, it's time for you to go. And I believe that Maddie came onto this planet to teach people a lesson um, and it's only a small community it's not a world lesson but it's a lesson and I learned to appreciate Maddie through that spiritual journey and understand what my journey in this on this planet was um, and that's how I got to this point today of sitting with you meeting you the, the, the tattoo I had thought about and nobody knew about the tattoo and in the second or third session when the spiritualist said when you get in that tattoo and I was like what? <laughs> Maddie thinks it's a good idea I was like holy shit and I can see Lee's welling up I'm not. Okay. No, no, I'm not at all. Cold. No, okay. no, no, I'm not welling up at all. Okay. No, no, he's, no. He's, he just thinks I'm talking bullshit. No, no, like. look, dry, total dry eyes. It's just as cold or as hay fever. No, look, look, total dry. <laughs> not a well. No, sorry. Yeah. So when, when um, you know, I went to Israel, went to Tel Aviv, and I got the tattoo that everyone knows about. And... She said to me, you know, and you need to get a dog. And, you know, I got the dog. Um, I literally was in touch with people a few, a couple of weeks earlier. And she said, when you get in, you know, when you get in the dog. And Maddie thinks it'd be lovely. And 
she could see the color orange. She didn't couldn't connect the connection. And I remember like I got back home and I went back to the videos of the dogs. And there was a dog in the video that ran to the screen and like on the camera. It wasn't it wasn't like the cameras we have today, but ran to the camera, sniffed the camera, only one to come to the camera, and it was wearing an orange collar. And I instantly phoned them and said, I want that dog. And then they were like, that dog's not available. <laughs> anyway, about a week later, they called back and said, the dog's come available again. So I said, I'll have it. No question. Deposit, sent the money straight away. Had some money saved for Maddie, which was exactly the amount that the dog was going to cost us. And it emerged the day I collected the dogs that she was actually born the night or the morning Maddie fell ill and died, basically. Was brain dead. Um, and when I got the dog, drove to Bristol, collected the dog, and I introduced her in that room. And the spiritualist said to me, when you get that dog, it's going to act very strange in her bedroom, in Maddie's bedroom. And that dog, and anyone who knows that dog, Pepper, her name is, we named her after Pepper Pig, the show. She is Pepper as well in colour, because she's a poodle. When she goes into that room, she just turns into this dog that just needs to cuddle everybody. <clears throat> Almost like Maddie's channeling herself through that dog. And what she's done for my other two girls, that dog, it, it's sort of like, I know dogs have a limited lifespan, but it's helped them into their adult life now, please God. You know, I, I, you know, she hugs me like Maddie would hug, would have hugged me. She wraps her paws around my shoulders. Um, there's various photos of me and that dog together. Yeah, probably don't want to see those photos. No, but <laughs> no, they're, they're, that's the other dogs. Oh, the other dogs. <laughs> the other dogs. Anyway, um, we're out of time. So yeah, thanks yeah. very much for the Sorry. Serge Cowan show. Thank you very much. Good night. Um, so she told me to say, uh, or told me, you know that that I'd write, was writing the book, which is basically um, the story of Maddie's uh, week, the week she passed, and um, and the the, the the shiver and all the other things we had to deal with after she died, and reflecting on her life, you know, and said various things about that which haven't come to fruition. So you know, but that's my choice. Um, but in the same, at the same time, you know, that was a road I'd went down. And I haven't seen her for quite a few years now. And I do still reach out to her because mm -hmm. there was other things she said. Um, which I'll talk about later because I could talk all day about this and you haven't got a word, you know, a word in edgeways. Um, but I'm just interested to know, you've said to me, in the past that you didn't ever want to touch it? I think, I think what it is, it's not so much I, it's not so much I didn't want to touch it. Um, there, there are large elements of it that I believe there are some elements I don't. I think for me, probably 
the main reason why I didn't want to is because I didn't want to know that she was there and just behind you exactly I, I wouldn't want to know that that was she was there and she's okay and she's here and da 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 because that doesn't I can't see her. I can't. I can't hug her. I can't hold her. I can't smell her. I can't touch her hair. So I why, can't. Why, why did you do the tattoo? Because it was my way of remembering her and having having at least sort of her name there. So she'll mm. always be in there. And even when I look at Madeline, it's it's in there. Mm. Um, so we we did the tattoos for slightly different reasons <clears throat> because obviously I did it as I said because she lives on. I, I believe she lives on within my heart. I, I, but I think ultimately we still got it for the same reason. You, you still get it for the same reason, to remind you, to be with mm. you, to be part of you. It's still the Do same. Do you ever get a warming in your heart like she's present? No. No? No. We just get you in tune with that. But maybe it's... It's a lovely feeling. But maybe it's because... I don't need that feeling. Why Why do I... I'm just chucking That's in questions. Point. Why do I need that warmth inside me to know that she is with me? Why do I need that? For, for me... It, okay, it, but, yeah. okay, but why... Okay, why... Okay, sorry, yes, go on. No, for me, it's it, it, it's, it makes me know that she's safe and protected and looked after. It's comfort for me. Okay. See, I, I could be really cold. Go on. I can be cold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and when I say shit, it's because we're both in exactly the same situation. Mm. Um, she's dead. I don't mean that in a... <clears throat> do you know what I'm trying mm. to say? I'm, I'm not... And when I say she, I mean, you know, mine, yours. I'm not trying to say... Nah, nah, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying no. to do that at all. Um, but... It's, yes, I suppose if there is some kind of afterlife or whatever you want to call it, then it's nice to know that they are at peace or they're happy or they're comfortable or they're having fun or they're whatever. And it's, it's comforting and it's definitely comforting But for me, it's not, maybe it's quite selfish. It's not going to change. I suppose actually maybe it is quite selfish. Maybe it would be nice to know that she is because then actually for her, she's comfortable and happy and, and that's okay. Um, but then again, I suppose in a way, maybe it was I was worried that if they say, actually, because they're never going to say, okay, yes, um, we've got, yeah, I've got, I've got Alfred here. Oh, Oh no, he's not happy. He's oh no, he's not having a good time. He's sit oh no, he's what? Oh, he's sitting with a load of Arsenal fans in the Arsenal stadium forever. Oh no. Do you know what I mean? They're never gonna say, actually, it's having a bit of a shit fest. So you're saying They're only gonna give you No, I'm not I'm they're charlatans. No, I'm not saying they're charlatans because I do believe a lot of them 
I have been watching one on, on TikTok. And he's phenomenal. And I've seen him do stuff and you see people's reactions. And I, I know in the past people say, oh, they're acting. They're, they're. Is, is the comedy shows where they sort of say, the, the, the name of your... Yeah, yeah. Is, 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 is it Br Brian, <laughs> Bur Bernard? But that's it. Yeah, yeah. Ben, Ben. Is it yes. Peter Kay did one, I it, think. Yeah, it's... Um, it's uh, um, yes, it's... Um, I forget his name now. Um yeah, it'll Don't come worry. to me. Yeah, no, I had to, I think I auditioned for a very similar thing. Um, yes, yes. Am I getting, that's right. Am I get, yes, I'm getting the word nonce. That <laughs> one. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. But um, I'll, I'll remember his name. But and I've, I have been watching one on TikTok. And you, when you see the people that he's talking to and you see their reactions and some people go, oh yeah, they're acting. You can, there are some ways that people act and don't act and you can tell reactions when they're genuine and when they're not genuine. And you can tell a lot of these are like, these are genuine reactions. And you can see that the stuff he's doing is like, that's a gift. And I, I don't, I don't dispute that at all. Mm. I, I do think some people have the most amazing gift, but I do remember after we lost Madeline, it's a friend of my, my mother's and stepfather who claims to be a medium. Oh, my mum did the same. And there was a book of, a book of remembrance that I think people wrote in. I think it's still at my mother's. I don't think I've ever got it, but it's fine. Um, and she wrote in it uh, when she was at the funeral. Um, I was there at the funeral and um, I saw Madeline there skipping. And she said something like, it's okay, mummy and daddy. And when I heard this, or skipping or dancing or something, when I heard, I think it was skipping. And when I heard this, both Tamara and I looked at each other like, but Madeline never did that. She would never go, it's okay, mummy and daddy. And it's like, if you're going to, you know, choose words, at least sort of... Yeah, so, so, I've got an example okay. I can give you. So something one of my, one of my the, the spiritualists said to me was, um, Maddie's playing the song A Whole New World. And I was like, well, hold on a minute. She didn't, I don't know what song she liked because it was very hard for her to sort of give that information because, you know, she would smile and she would cry, basically. There was no middle point with her. But the interesting thing about that song is now, whenever I listen to that song, it wells me up and it makes me think of Maddie. Even though it wasn't part of her life, in my view... I still use that song now relates to Maddie in a weird sort of way. That yeah, it's not sense. weird. It's, it's it's a connection. Yeah, but it's, it's not a connection that I would have ever put on Maddie when she was alive, right? Yeah, okay. So it's almost like some spiritualists are there maybe to comfort you as a form of therapy, right? Yeah, yeah. And Well, it's a placebo effect again, isn't yeah. it? And then, it, and then you it, sort of get it, confused at what you're actually believing or what actually happens If it sometimes. helps you, if it helps you... Yeah in your healing, then yeah. then surely that's a good thing. I think the worry is and the danger is 
when you start to become reliant on these. Absolutely. And and every... Well, it's, it's, it's the old, if you see a butterfly... Or if you see a fe- so, if right, you see so a feather exactly. in your living room, it's a room. feather. I had, I had, I had. <laughs> so again, do I, you know I, how many feathers my pillows dispose of? <laughs> so again, and I, I, you know, and again, I don't. I, I remember my my wife and I. We we've spoken about this loads of times. You can't use the feather. <laughs> you can't use a feather. You can't do a lot of things, Lee. <laughs> you, amount of feathers I collect. Yes, in the first year after um, I died. <laughs> you know. And I, a, a, good, a, a good, a friend of mine, um, equally went through uh, loss of a child, and I remember, you know, uh, a feather would fall into the car or land on the path in front of her, and she would say, "Oh, look, you know, a feather. This must yeah, be." My dad did the same. Yeah. after my mum died, and yeah. I suppose for her, it gave her comfort. Mm. Um, for me, it means nothing. And I'm not saying that I'm right and she's wrong or vice versa. Yeah, and... and but, but to me... There, there, a lot of it you have to take with a pinch of salt. And You've got to, otherwise otherwise you will go because totally... Because one of the things, the other things, and, you know... quite hard for me to say this because it's sort of like you know this is in the future but you know one of the things she said very early in the process is you know she she could sense the desire for me to have another child and when did she say this right at the start of your therapy session oh sorry of your when i first saw her yeah she said i can and how soon was that after about I think maybe one or two sessions in. So she would only see me once every few months. Okay, so how soon after you lost Maddie was that? I think I first saw her about three months after Maddie died. It was fucking quick to say something like that. Or quite... Pre- well, not, not pre- what, what, what she actually said to me was, um, I can see your grandfather, and she named him, and he's got a baby boy on his lap and basically two years pass three years pass and you know you're like okay well that she's got one out of 15 things wrong, whatever okay. <laughs> or maybe yeah, five one out of five and then this year the last couple of years I meet you know the love of my life and and boom we have a baby boy on the way And you can't help but think, okay, is that an odds thing? Is that a ratio? She put, you know, I don't know. And 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 you know what? I've reached out to her recently, and for you know, she she's extremely popular, and you know, she's given me a date in August, and we'll chat about it then. But you know, she when I tell her things have come true or or things have happened in relations. Like that, because she knows that it what she does, she truly believes that it's real. And and I'd love to, you know, I'd love to invite a, a, a spiritualist onto this show because it, it's sort of. It, I'm going to have to say yes. We, we're going to have to think. We're not doing a Ouija board or anything. No, 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 no. As I as I said, as I said, I used to work in this office. <laughs> yeah, I know. I used to work next door. Um, Ouch. <laughs> 
I I would have to say yes because I think we'd have to. I think part of the journey is going on these slightly uncomfortable. Well, that that's why we're doing this, right? Because we're all on this journey. Because also, it yeah. might be that there might be other people listening, mm. watching that have thought about it. Uh, there might be couples. There might be you know couples that are thinking one does one doesn't yeah and I, but I, I honestly think people go one of two ways one way they go down that spiritual route which i have done i wouldn't say when i say i'm jewish i'd say i do the right things i repent my sins once a year you know and that makes it okay well it does and they'll walk out and swear literally the first thing i do is swearing bad i swear at my dad which is the worst by time right? because sorry sharks um but you know i i do you know you know but then the other people go down the other way and just reject it and become atheists um but you know it, it would be interesting to know when we start inviting people onto these shows and we've got a few people lined up now which is really exciting where they went you know, we, we had a conversation with someone in America literally two weeks ago. And, you know, he's got an amazing follower, followers and like huge following, should I say, in English. Huge following in America. And we sat down. And the first thing he did was say, I want to send, show you a picture. And I think me and Lee looked sort of, I think I touched Lee's leg or something. I think and We it, couldn't say no, and could he, we? And he jumped up. No, Lee jumped up. <laughs> so don't touch my leg. No, he didn't. Um, I don't think I did. No, he didn't. I don't think I did. I like, I'm, not, I like, I'm, not, I'm not that cold and yeah, sort of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, while yeah. someone's trying to yeah. get, open up the innermost sort of... We're, we're intimate with each other. But not darkest that sort photo. Of me sort of go, have a joke, have a laugh. No, there's a time, there's a time and a place. <laughs> and, and he... He pulled up on Google Meets a picture, and the picture was his car, and his car was literally it was demolished, torn in two. It was absolutely demolished. I think we both looked at it, and I remember looking at it, going, "Wow, okay, um, where, and, and where where do you go from here? Where, 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 what do you even?" And he openly told us, yeah. what had happened. Yeah, his two kids were wiped out instantly in the car crash. He was driving and he survived. I never actually asked him, did he have any injuries? I, we, we, when we get him on the podcast, we'll ask him and he's coming on over the next few weeks. And the thing is, and when, when I, you, it was when... the first time that I thought, in a way, I, 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 <laughs> I've been quite self-absorbed in my own grief journey. Um, you're looking at me. I'm not trying not to make eye contact with you for various reasons. Really? Yeah. You self-absorbed? I wouldn't hear of that. I think we all. I think everyone's self-absorbed in their own. Yeah. I. I actually. And you know what? If I can just say, yeah. I. I think we do become. We still, although we know it's not just me, it's you and it's others. Yeah. We still think it's just me. Yeah. I, I'm feeling like this. You have no right to feel happy. 
Um, no, I don't. No, I don't care. It's me. It's about me. And we still. I can't help it. And I have to stop myself. And I. I. I find myself a lot of the time. And that's why it helps being with people like you, because you do. Because you do suddenly go. Yeah, it's it's because when I look, when I hear about all the therapy that you're doing and the fucking antidepressants and this, that, and the other. <laughs> no, seriously, I think I think you know what, Lee, you. You're, you're not your coping and you're not, but it's not just you and you, you have your problems and then you come out with yours. And then, as you say, we're, we're, we're uh, sitting down, we're talking, let me say his name. Mm. Okay. We're talking to this guy. Um, and then he shares his story with us and shows the photos. You then go, fuck, okay. Um, wow! Uh, it, it was <clears throat> despite Lee's best efforts, it was the closest I've come to breaking down. I, I literally had to hold back the tears because. So why did you just why did you hold back the tears? Did you feel guilty about? No, because I don't. I can't. I can't get in tune with myself like that at the moment. We need to get that out of you. As I said, I'm not saying that I, you. Uh, well, I'm not saying that you need to cry at, at every single given opportunity. And I'm not saying that when you cry, it's got to be a full-blown, oh, he's gone. Serge is gone. He's, he's gone. Well, what, can we? No, it'll be gone for an hour. He'll be wailing like a baby for an hour. No, it doesn't have to be like that. It, I, I, think, I think... It can be a little but well, the, but just this a little is, this tear. Is, this, is about, this is about that journey we all on. We're on different journeys. And in my world, nothing surprises me. Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've got stuff going on in my life. Lee has stuff going on in his life. The guy in America, he said his name, has, has stuff going on in his life. We still have to live our daily lives. And when you're on that journey, there are other things that prevent you from moving on with your life to a certain degree. Right. And that's part going back to part of our anger at the moment. And, you know, one day we will share all those sort of feelings a bit more. Um, but it wouldn't be right to at this time. And one of the things that I relate to spirituality is dreams. Now, I don't dream. <laughs> no, I hardly dream. And, and But do you think that's a... Do you think... When I, when I do dream... Sorry. Save that question. When I do dream... He doesn't like to be interrupted. I remember... Well, I'm on a... I'm on yeah, a roll here. When been I do been dream, on a roll for 45 minutes. When I do dream, you know, the dreams I interpret into meaning something. And it's a subconscious, right? And, you know, one of the dreams is doing a DJ event. and Well. No, I, fuck off. <laughs> Sorry. It was true. That's why I give it up. Hey, Serge, uh, you're great. Don't get me started on the DJing. Anyway, it was a coping mechanism. Now out of it, it's like when I went running, like a Michigana, three or four days a week, it was a coping mechanism at the time. Now I look at running and I think, I couldn't think of anything bloody worse than going for a run for three hours of my day. Um, but, you know, the point I'm making is that the dream was trying to get somewhere, like being late for a, a gig and everyone's waiting for me. And I'm 
can't get there. How about I try a hit a traffic jam or whatever it is? Yeah. Car stops. Car, yeah. Goes and, into reverse. And, and it's... It, it's a mudslide. It doesn't matter what it yeah. is. The point is, I can't get to the yeah. destination. Yeah. And then you wake up and you're like, well, that's exactly what's happening in my life. Yes, but that's... But that to me is... A, seeing Maddie in that dream is... <clears throat> is that is that me comforting myself or is that reality? Uh, it's, it's trying to understand the, what, what that all means. And then you interpret it in the way you want to interpret it, right? And it's yes. the same with spiritualists. Yes. You yes. interpret yes. it in the yes. way you yes. want to interpret it. Yes. Because it helps you cope. Yes. We will translate everything into the way we want to translate. And one of my favorite sort of interpretations of religion based on spirituality is the life of Brian. Now there's a scene in that movie where Brian is running away from all his followers. And he he was holding a gourd, is it a gourd? A gourd. gourd. A gourd and he was and one of his sandals flip, falls off. And Basically, the, the followers, one of the followers picks up the sandal and goes, yes. follow the shoe. Yes. Yeah, and the other one picks up the gourd, follow the gourd. Yes. And they all run in different directions. Yes. And that is the formation of a religion, right? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> and, and that symbolism perfect. Because that's what religion is. It's following, it's a coping mechanism of life. Mm-hmm. And there's different interpretations. Even in Judaism, there's a different interpretations. You can, you know, in Sephardi, you can eat rice during Passover. But in that's right. Yes, and, that's right. And yeah, it's a, and 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 you can't eat like. Oh no, I, I don't know if that's just when we were in Israel. It's like you can't eat broccoli. I don't know that. Yeah, because they can't, they can't inspect all the florets because there's so many oh, really? florets. So well, I know you couldn't eat blueberries because they can't afford them. They're very expensive out there. <laughs> well, blueberries are very expensive anyway. Not here. Well, I'm quid for a packet. I know. I eat them like a nutter. Where do you go? Tesco. Well, maybe one, two pounds now, but cost of living and all that. But I think, I think um, it's, I think it's broccoli. But, it, but then that might not be that might not the, be possible. The, like you say, rice. Yes, exactly. But the point is, you know, <coughs> when I, when I argue with my partner about kosher, you know. Why can't we eat shellfish? You know. Well, there's a there's a quite a, yeah yeah. But my reasoning for eating it is different to hers. Well, what's know? her reason for? Well, I I because it's dirty. But that's where kashra. If you want, yes, they live at the bottom of the sea and yeah. they eat the crap off the seabed. But so what about the ones that are farmed? Yes, but then no, you are absolutely right. But then it's like because all, remember, I, I'm all, just, I'm just no, 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 no. but just on a, on a quick on that because yeah. because all the laws, they were there from thousands and thousands Correct. of years ago before we had refrigeration Correct. and before we had all of this. And interpretations change over time. Yes, but so, it's like one minute you can't carry in a certain area until all the rabbi get together. So, oh, so my my argument is why, why yes. can't you drive? If someone else is driving you from one location to the next. You know, why isn't that okay? From what I understand, the rabbi, when he went to the coronation of the king... He stayed in Clarence House. So he, did he walk from Clarence House? Yes. Okay. So he had... But he should have been in shul on Saturday morning. 
Yeah, I don't quite know where this is. I'm just saying, I'm making a point. You interpret things how you want to interpret them. You make yes, de- but I you don't get different def- dispensation depending on yes, but your I don't. I don't know. I don't people, know. People cope in certain ways. Yes, and with grief, it's the same. Because for me, I'm on a route. I still don't know exactly exact route. No, and and also, does the route ever end? And is my route right? Probably not. Who knows? There's, there's no right or wrong. Is, is anyone right? Is any religion right? And that that's the point, you know, because ultimately the one mystery of life that nobody knows is the meaning of life. We need a big bit rifter uh, for this, don't we? Oh, I, I don't do anything like that anymore. You know, the old chicken and the egg scenario, right? right. What came first, yeah. right? It, it's, it's, well, what happens when we die? Where do we go? Where is Maddie and Maddie? Will I see Maddie when I die? And I believe that I will, in whatever form. And that is my coping mechanism mm-hmm. there. And I'm not saying that you should. <laughs> I'm not telling you you should. But I like to think that it makes my life that little bit easier. Yes, it probably does. By knowing that she's safe. Well, it well, does. It does certainly does for you. That's the impression I get. Yeah. That's definitely the impression I get. Yeah. Now it makes it easier. Some for people you. will watch this and think this guy is off his fucking head, and I'm very aware of that. And that's why me. I've be, seen. I've seen being a lot more people. I've seen a lot more people talk a lot more shit, and I mean that genuinely. You know. Um, but that was my concern with coming on doing these podcasts because I was very aware of what people would make of my views and my feelings. I'd hardly say your views and feelings are out there. Well, no one can say how I want to feel ultimately. And that's why podcasting is so brilliant because it's an open forum to say how you feel. Yes, but a lot of people are very frightened of saying stuff because they don't want their opinions to get out there. When I'm like, don't worry about your opinions because it's just your opinions. Um, As long as they're not, sort of hateful and venomous against individuals and but I don't think anything you have said over the last three four podcasts has been do you how did you I mean did you have any routines that you sort of put into place that you found you were doing which weren't necessarily the normal for you uh, it's funny because no one's actually a of it has ever asked me that, and it's not something I've ever thought. Did I have a routine after? Um, there's going to be that silence on the podcast for about thirty seconds. We can edit it. It's we fine. can edit it out to make you go, <laughs> "Wow, he thought of that quickly." Um, well, let, let me give you, let me give you an example, right? So for me, my routine was to reach out to Maddie every night. Yeah. And after, on the back of spirituality and meeting um, the spiritualist, I felt that I had, I could feel her in my heart. As I said, it was like this burning, warming sensation. And it's sort of like, I, I then- Not look, heartburn. No, 
could have been heartburn, but then I got the anxiety as well. Okay. So I can tell the difference. Yeah. The anxiety hits me in the chest, in the stomach here. Yeah. And, you know, uh, that's a coping mechanism anyway. And that exhale of breath and that sort of thing um, sort of helps me cope with that. But um, I, I look to God as not necessarily the way I used to look at God, which was this all empowering sort of thing above our heads. Okay. There. Um, and I looked at Maddie as my, my higher power, I suppose, in a way. And I would reach out to her. And some people say you're talking to yourself, but I believe that I'm talking, I'm talking to Maddie every night. I, and I ask her what she's done with her day. And I can... See, I don't remember doing anything like that, but I suppose because initially in the beginning, and I can't remember how long it would have been, obviously her room wouldn't have changed that much. It was probably quite a while. So I suppose, you know, in the same way that you'd be talking to her or what have you, you'd be in the room... Did you puff her pillows? Did you tidy it up? I think... I'm looking over because my wife's... I'm having a... You see, you, you need to do this. You need to be... It's not about just blubbering into a wreck on the floor, but you need to just sometimes just have a look. I think you're nearly... You ne no, no, cold as steel. Cold as ice. But it's nothing wrong with just having a little well, a little flutter of the bottom well, you, lip. You, and, you mentioned... But, okay, so if, if I'm just trying... I think probably initially the only thing would have been the smelling of the the jacket um the smelling of the pillow in her bedroom it's, it's because six, her it's bed a, it's the six senses because her bed was there and yeah. that was all we had yeah well that that that's exactly so the if same it comes me, to so routines I, I, then i i can't think i of, went, i went when i when i wrote wrote the book um i talks about Maddie's aroma because she used to dribble quite a yeah, lot. Yeah, he said this. And she had this headrest here and her saliva used to sort of stain the side of her headrest. And for about three months, I would go into her room, I would check it. Everything was parked neatly, tidy, all in its position. Her chair was a certain angle. And I would go up and I would just sniff the side of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would just, it would just warm, yeah, warm yeah. me, warm my heart. Yes, and, yes. And that was, it was like that for a long time. And then, you know, as I said, when the It's funny, went, there is one particular picture that I do look at. It's the one particular picture that I do look at that I suppose if was the most emotive picture, it's, it's that one. I don't know why it's that one, but it is that one. Um, but I don't think that's a routine. I don't actually think I had any real routines after. Um, so how how did you initially? Did you did you go to synagogue? Did you? Well, I went to synagogue because only because I felt I kind of not had to, but it was it was a little bit of a rock to hold on to in a storm because as much as I'm not religious at all, I suppose some people might argue that 
after something like that, well, what have you got mm. to, to sort of help guide you through? You got like, <sighs> so to have that process where you're having the sitting, the shiver, when you have people coming to pay their respects, whether you're Christian or Jewish or whatever it is, it's something that people can do so you can go through that process to at least help you maybe put a full stop or an underline. So then after that, you can go, okay, I've done that now. I can now get on all the people that say, I'm going to be with you every single week and call you. I'm going to be there for you. <laughs> yeah, a week later, where are they fucking gone? <laughs> we can talk about what people yeah. are like. Yeah. So, um, so, so I did go to Sydney. And funnily enough, when, when I was in, I went to one of the synagogues to say mourners, Kaddish, what have you. And the, the, the rabbi that was there, who I think passed away a little while ago, was the only, I don't actually even think he was a real rabbi when I was at boarding school. He might, I don't think he was. He was the only rabbi that I got on with at boarding school and he was lovely. And I saw him, again, coincidence or, I hadn't seen him in years. Oh, you know, lovely to see you you know what are you doing here mm. oh i'm saying kaddish for my daughter that i lost a few weeks ago <laughs> oh but he was a rabbi he could do mm. you know he, oh you know mm. um but that was my so that was yes that's when i went to synagogue and i went for a bit and 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 that was it and after that i shaved what was that that was it really I, when 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 we were at the when we were at the uh, Great Ormond Street, um, it came up pretty quickly because I didn't have sort of um, plot rights and all that sort of thing yeah. at the shul, and it came up pretty quickly. I had a friend who I call the Mensch, who um, also became the funeral director in the whole process. But that's another story for another day. Um, and he said, "Look." Don't worry about this. Focus on Maddie. Um, and throughout the course of that day, I remember um, I got a call and the rabbi from Bushy Shul was coming up to see me to the hospital. Oh. We already ordered we already ordered the chaplain at Great Ormond Street, the, the Jewish chaplain. Um, and then we had this sort of weird situation he doesn't because, turn up with a cane because it turned up no, no, no it turned up not charlie chaplin no, okay. um that was a terrible dad joke that um <laughs> it's an awful dad joke I will he'd be basically no you're not keeping that in keeping my other thing i said earlier in um <laughs> which we won't be saying right no, now no. um but basically you know it, it turns out i'm a cohen oh that's right yeah and being a cohen is quite a big thing and it was almost like they rolled the red carpet out for me. They, not, they didn't give me one plot at the shul. They gave me three plots on condition I became a member immediately. And they helped me dramatically. Did you have to pay for three? No, I didn't pay a penny for any of them. Okay. And <laughs> I'll be forever grateful um, for that. Because we wanted Maddie to be near us. Um, and, you know, we had a moment where there was a you know, two rabbis competing to do the Shema and all this sort of thing over the bed. And it was, you know, there were, one of them was singing louder than the other. And it was, you it's know. all a mitzvah, isn't it? Yeah, it's you, all, you it's sort all... of, you got, you got, you got caught up in this moment, you know, you're trying to 
you know, you're, you're in this moment and all you're thinking of is, you know, this is not funny, but just strange. And then they were talking about, you know, giving up Maddie's parts for, for, for um, research and other things. And there was the complications of what happens when they're buried and questions like that. And I just pictured these moments of rabbis talking and, you know, you know about, Rabbi Shlomo, you can't do this. You can't, you know, and all this sort of like, sort of conversation um and then you know after a couple of days later i get called from the chief rabbi and it's like it's this is just you know it was almost like i felt like at certain points i've been sort of like they sort of try and bring you in and mm. and you get captured in that moment but then that is a coping mechanism mm. at the very early stages of grief you have to find something. And, you know, re religious people, they're amazing people. They're, they're, you know, but at the same time, you, you start doubting yourself and doubting that part of your journey, which is what we've been speaking about, is how we, you know, how spirituality has sort of affects the grief journey. Um, and then how you deal with it as the years go on. You know, I went from going from Friday night at shul every week, religiously, literally, to ne not going for over a year now. Yeah. Because it changes. Yes. Over time. And as you get older, it changes again. Yeah. So there's no right or wrong no, in religion. Not. You know, we're all going to... People are going to suffer the same grief, whether it's losing a child, whether it's losing a relative, whether it's losing a friend, you know, under all sorts of different circumstances. And, you know, again, I can't reiterate it more. You know, men don't talk enough about the grief journey um, and, and their feelings and their emotions. And, you know, we want to get men talking because I do believe men do talk. And on that note, you do it well all the time, don't you? I do. You're getting good at it. I wrap it up. Um, we'll see you very, again very soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you.